Volume Two, Conclusion, Chapter Eleven of Doctor Wardle's School by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eleven: Mister Peacock's Return. The Earl's rejoinder to the Doctor was very short. So let it be. There was not another word in the body of the letter, but there was appended to it a postscript almost equally short. Lady Bracy will write to Mary and settle with her some period for her visit and so it came to be understood by the doctor by mrs wardle and by mary herself that mary was engaged to lord carstairs the doctor having so far arranged the matter said little or nothing more on the subject but turned his mind at once to that other affair of mr and mrs peacock it was evident to his wife who probably alone understood the buoyancy of his spirit and its corresponding susceptibility to depression that he at once went about mr peacock's affairs with renewed courage Mr. Peacock should resume his duties as soon as he was remarried, and let them see what Mrs. Stantelope or the bishop would dare to say then. It was impossible, he thought, that parents would be such asses as to suppose that their boys' morals could be affected to evil by connection with a man so true, so gallant, and so manly as this. He did not at this time say anything further as to abandoning the school, but seemed to imagine that the vacancies would get themselves filled up as in the course of nature. He ate his dinner again, as though he liked it, and abused the liberals and was anxious about the grapes and peaches as was always the case with him when things were going well all this as mrs wardle understood had come to him from the brilliancy of mary's prospects but though he held his tongue on the subject mrs wardle did not she found it absolutely impossible not to talk of it when she was alone with mary or alone with the doctor as he counselled her not to make mary think too much about it she was obliged to honour her peace when both were with her but with either of them alone she was always full of it to the doctor she communicated all her fears and all her doubts showing only too plainly that she would be altogether heartbroken if anything should interfere with the grandeur and prosperity which seemed to be partly within reach but not altogether within reach of her darling child if he carstairs should prove to be a recreant young lord if aristotle and socrates should put love out of his heart if those other wicked young lords at Christchurch were to teach him that it was a foolish thing for a young lord to become engaged to his tutor's daughter before he had taken his degree if some better-born young lady were to come in his way and drive mary out of his heart no more lovely or better girl could be found to do so of that she was sure to the latter assertion the doctor agreed telling her that as it was so she ought to have a stronger trust in her daughter's charms telling her also with somewhat sterner voice that she should not allow herself to be so disturbed by the glories of the bracy coronet in this there was i think some hypocrisy had the doctor been as simple as his wife in showing her own heart it would probably have been found that he was as much set upon the coronet as she then mrs wardle would carry the doctor's wisdom to her daughter papa says my dear that you shouldn't think of it too much i do think of him mamma i do love him now and of course i think of him of course you do my dear of course you do how should you not think of him when he is all in all to you but papa means that it can hardly be called an engagement yet i don't know what it should be called but of course i love him he can change it if he likes but you shouldn't think of it knowing his rank and wealth i never did mamma but he is what he is and i must think of him poor mrs wardle did not know what special advice to give when this declaration was made to have held her tongue would have been the wisest but that was impossible to her out of the full heart the mouth speaks and her heart was very full of lord carstairs and of carstairs house and of the diamonds which her daughter would certainly be called upon to wear before the queen if only that young man would do his duty poor mary herself probably had the worst of it no provision was made either for her to see her lover or to write to him the only interview which had ever taken place between them as lovers 
was that on which she had run by him into the house leaving him as the earl had said planted on the terrace she had never been able to whisper one single soft word into his ear to give him even one touch of her fingers in token of her affection she did not in the least know when she might be allowed to see him whether it had not been settled among the elders that they were not to see each other as real lovers till he should have taken his degree which would be almost in a future world so distant seemed the time it had been already settled that she was to go to carstairs in the middle of november and stay till the middle of december but it was altogether settled that her lover was not to be at carstairs during the time he was to be at oxford then and would be thinking only of his greek and latin or perhaps amusing himself in utter forgetfulness that he had a heart belonging to him at bowick parsonage in this way mary though no doubt she thought the most of it all had less opportunity of talking of it than either her father or her mother in the meantime mr peacock was coming home the doctor as soon as he heard that the day was fixed or nearly fixed being then as has been explained in full good humour with all the world except mrs stantiloup and the bishop bethought himself as to what steps might best be taken in the very delicate matter in which he was called upon to give advice he had declared at first that they should be married at his own parish church but he felt that there would be difficulties in this she must go up to london and meet him there he said to mrs wardle and he must not show himself here till he brings her down as his actual wife then there was very much to be done in arranging all this and something to be done also in making those who had been his friends and perhaps more in making those who had been his enemies understand exactly how the matter stood had no injury been inflicted upon him as though he had done evil to the world in general in befriending mr peacock he would have been quite willing to pass the matter over in silence among his friends but as it was he could not afford to hide his own light under a bushel he was being punished almost to the extent of ruin by the cruel injustice which had been done him by the evil tongue of mrs stantiloup and as he thought by the folly of the bishop he must now let those who had concerned themselves know as accurately as he could what he had done in the matter and what had been the effect of his doing he wrote a letter therefore which was not however to be posted till after the peacock marriage had been celebrated copies of which he prepared with his own hand in order that he might send them to the bishop and to lady anne clifford and to mr talbot and not indeed to mrs stantiloup but to mrs stantiloup's husband there was a copy also made for mr momson though in his heart he despised mr momson thoroughly in this letter he declared the great respect which he had entertained since he had first known them both for mr and mrs peacock and the distress which he had felt when mr peacock had found himself obliged to explain to him the facts the facts which need not be repeated because the reader is so well acquainted with them mr peacock he went on to say has since been to america and has found that the man whom he believed to be dead when he married his wife has died since his calamitous reappearance mr peacock has seen the man's grave with the stone on it bearing his name and has brought back with him certificates and evidence as to his burial under these circumstances i have no hesitation in re-employing both him and his wife and i think that you will agree that i could not do less i think you will agree also that in the whole transaction i have done nothing of which the parent of any boy entrusted to me has a right to complain having done this he went up to london and made arrangements for having the marriage celebrated there as soon as possible after the arrival of mr peacock and on his return to bowick he went off to mr puddicombe with a copy of the letter in his pocket he had not addressed a copy to his friend nor had he intended that one should be sent to him mr puddicombe had not interfered in regard to the boys and had on the whole shown himself to be a true friend there was no need for him to advocate his cause to mr puddicombe but it was right he thought that that gentleman should know what he did and it might be that he hoped that he would at length obtain some praise from mr puddicombe but mr puddicombe did not like the letter it does not tell the truth he said not the truth not the whole truth 
as how where have i concealed anything if i understand the question rightly they who have thought proper to take their children away from your school because of mr peacock have done so because that gentleman continued to live with that lady when they both knew that they were not man and wife that wasn't my doing you condoned it i am not condemning you you condoned it and now you defend yourself in this letter but in your defence you do not really touch the offence as to which you are according to your own showing accused in telling the whole story you should say they did live together though they were not married and under all the circumstances i do not think that they were on that account unfit to be left in charge of my boys but i sent him away immediately to america you allowed the lady to remain then what would you have me say demanded the doctor nothing said mr puddicombe not a word live it down in silence there will be those like myself who though they could not dare to say that in morals you were strictly correct will love you the better for what you did the doctor turned his face towards the dry hard-looking man and showed that there was a tear in each of his eyes there are few of us not so infirm as sometimes to love best that which is not best but when a man is asked a downright question he is bound to answer the truth you would say nothing in your own defence not a word you know the french proverb who excuses himself is his own accuser the truth generally makes its way as far as i can see a slander never lives long ten of my boys are gone said the doctor who had not hitherto spoken a word of this to any one out of his own family ten out of twenty that will only be a temporary loss that is nothing it is the idea that the school should be failing they will come again i do not believe that that letter would bring a boy i am almost inclined to say dr wortle that a man should never defend himself he should never have to defend himself it is much the same thing but i'll tell you what i'll do dr wortle if it will suit your plans i will go up with you and will assist at the marriage i do not for a moment think that you will require any countenance or that if you did that i could give it to you no man that i know so efficiently but it may be that mr peacock will like to find that the clergymen from his neighbourhood are standing with him and so it was settled that when the day should come on which the doctor would take mrs peacock up with him to london mr puddicombe was to accompany them the doctor when he left mr puddicombe's parsonage had by no means pledged himself not to send the letters when a man has written a letter and has taken some trouble with it and more specially when he has copied it several times himself so as to have made many letters of it when he has argued his point successfully to himself and has triumphed in his own mind as was likely to be the case with dr wardle in all that he did he does not like to make waste paper of his letters as he rode home he tried to persuade himself that he might yet use them he could not quite admit his friend's point mr peacock no doubt had known his own condition and him a strict moralist might condemn but he he dr wardle had known nothing all that he had done was not to condemn the other man when he did know nevertheless as he rode into his own yard he made up his mind that he would burn the letters he had shown them to no one else he had not even mentioned them to his wife he could burn them without condemning himself in the opinion of any one and he burned them when mr puddicombe found him at the station at broughton as they were about to proceed to london with mrs peacock he simply whispered the fate of the letters after what you said i destroyed what i had written perhaps it was as well said mr puddicombe when the telegram came to say that mr peacock was at liverpool mrs peacock was anxious immediately to rush up to london but she was restrained by the doctor or rather by mrs wardle under the doctor's orders no my dear no you must not go till all will be ready for you to meet him in the church the doctor says so am i not to see him till he comes up to the altar on this there was another consultation between mrs wardle and the doctor at which she explained how impossible it would be for the woman to go through the ceremony with due serenity and propriety of manner 
unless she should first be allowed to throw herself into his arms and to welcome him back to her yes she said he can come and see you at the hotel on the evening before and again in the morning so that if there be a word to say you can say it then when it is over he will bring you down here the doctor and mr puddicombe will come down by a later train of course it is painful said mrs wardle but you must bear up to her it seemed to be so painful that she was quite sure that she could not have borne it to be married for the third time and for the second time to the same husband to mrs peacock as she thought of it the pain did not so much rest in that as in the condition of life which these things had forced upon her i must go up to town to-morrow and must be away for two days said the doctor out loud in the school speaking immediately to one of the ushers but so that all the boys present might hear him i trust that we shall have mr peacock with us the day after to-morrow we shall be very glad of that said the usher and mrs peacock will come and eat her dinner again like before asked a little boy i hope so charlie we shall like that because she has to eat it all by herself now all the school down even to charlie the smallest boy in it knew all about it mr peacock had gone to america and mrs peacock was going up to london to be married once more to her own husband and the doctor and mr puddicombe were both going to marry them the usher of course knew the details more clearly than that as did probably the bigger boys there had even been a rumour of the photograph which had been seen by one of the maid-servants who had it is to be feared given the information to the french teacher so much however the doctor had felt it wise to explain not thinking it well that mr peacock should make his reappearance among them without notice on the afternoon of the next day but one mr and mrs peacock were driven up to the school in one of the broughton flies she went quickly up into her own house when mr peacock walked into the school the boys clustered round him and the three assistants and every word said to him was kind and friendly but in the whole course of his troubles there had never been a moment to him more difficult than this in which he found it so nearly impossible to say anything or to say nothing yes i have been over many miles since i saw you last this was an answer to young talbot who asked him whether he had not been a great traveller whilst he was away in america suggested the french usher who had heard of the photograph and knew very well where it had been taken yes in america all the way to san francisco suggested charlie all the way to san francisco charlie and back again yes i know you come back again said charlie because i see you here there are only twenty boys this half said one of the twenty then i shall have more time to attend to you now i suppose so said the lad not seeming to find any special consolation in that view of the matter painful as this first reintroduction had been there was not much more in it than that no questions were asked and no explanations expected it may be that mrs stantiloup was affected with fresh moral horrors when she heard of the return and that the bishop said that the doctor was foolish and headstrong as ever it may be that there was a good deal of talk about it in the close at broughton but at the school there was very little more said about it than what has been stated above End of volume two chapter eleven